It is mock draft season. We are right in the thick of rookie hype section of the calendar. So I've assembled some of the brightest and best minds in fantasy football to take a look at how these rookies are being valued across the industry. As always, we've got Rich Cooling here, who you know from the Fantasy Sanctuary work along with Ryan for DLF. But the headlines, there are two guests tonight. We've got Russ Fisher, who you should know as Daniel the Outhouse on Twitter, host of an excellent Trade Addicts pod with one of the best intro musics out there, podcast director for DLF. Russ, how are you doing? You surviving this kind of crazy time of the year? Oh, I thrive in this crazy time of the year. Points are a distraction. <laughs> <laughs> and secondly, we've got Andrew Erickson of Fantasy Pros. You should know him as Andrew Erickson on Twitter. Andrew deals with all aspects of fantasy football. One simple goal, help you get better at fantasy football. Make some incredible threads during the season of the offseason. Andrew, you just dropped your, first, your mock draft 3.0. But big question, do you prefer in-season content or do you prefer this time of year when the content's thick and fast in a whole different way? It's a loaded question. I, I think that this content this time of year is more about what you actually want to do because you can kind of pick and choose a little bit. You know, it's not the, I got to get the waiver wire piece out now or else we're not going to get the clicks. So, yeah, I, I would say that, you know, there's more passion, I think, for people that are invested in fantasy football right now, like the diehards are, are tuning in right now versus during the season where it's like Joe Schmoes sliding into your DMs. You're like, Hey man, who do I pick up for week six? And then you'll never hear from them ever again because you'll get the, you'll, you'll pick the wrong guy. And then, you know, there's more love here at this time of year. So it, it depends on, I, I would probably say right now. Brilliant. Right. So the way this is going to work, we're going to go a couple of rounds through a smock super flex tight end premium, Russ is picking first, then Andrew, then Rich. We'll keep rolling with me throwing out questions now and again. You guys butt in whenever you've got a comment or you really feel like one of these picks is awful. Russ, you're first with the 101, and I think many in the Dynasty community have penciled Bijan Robinson in for quite a while now. But the closer we get, do you feel like there's a lot of these teams who are going to end up picking 101 who probably aren't a running back away? How steadfast are you in Bijan? Do you think that it's easy to make an argument for the quarterback? Or is it just you've just got to smash Bijan and just deal with the fallout later if you need a quarterback? See, here's the thing. Um, the, the 101 as of right now, it's really all you can do. All you can say is as of right now, before we learn landing spots before, like if Bijan falls to the third round, maybe he's not the 101 anymore. But, you know, as of right now, he absolutely is to me, like without a question. Um, this is Zeke, Saquon level, you know, first round of a startup. I, I'm doing a startup right now where I did a mock and a startup where both in the exact same spot at the 111, Bijan went. You know, right after Chase, Jefferson, running back one, you know, there goes Bijan. So I, I think right now Bijan is absolutely the answer. I If... Man, at this point, after what Richardson did in the uh, in the combine, if he gets taken like one or two overall, that might push people to take him first. And I get it because the upside is there. I don't really believe in that. Like to me, the answer is Bijan or trade back. And if you can't trade back, you draft Bijan because you can trade him later. So, like, unfortunately, like you said before, if you earned the one one, you really don't necessarily want. Bijan because you're you're probably not a running back away <laughs> you know yeah. so but even still like you can't just give up that much value like you're a startup like right now it's the easiest way to describe value you're giving up two rounds worth of value like uh, at least a solid round and a half like it just it 
draft yeah. value trade for need. I, like that's just what it comes down to. Bijan's the answer for now. Okay, brilliant. So we've got Bijan in there. Andrew, with all due respect to Bijan, this is where mock drafts tend to get a little more interesting as it feels like you can go a bunch of different ways. I mean, you know, the wide receivers aren't quite to the level of Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson. But there's some really interesting quarterbacks there. I know in your latest mock for Fantasy Pros, which is in the comments below, you have Bryce Young as your QB1. Is he the choice here? And how close is it between him and your QB2? No, Bryce Young will not be my selection here. And uh, shout out to you for giving me the number two pick. You know, I, I <laughs> of course, I got to come in here with making the tough decisions. Didn't get to get the chance to take Bijan, but I'm going to go with CJ Stroud here. And I think that the conversation about upside is beat to, you know, we beat it so hard every year when we talk about fantasy, upside, upside, upside. But in a super flex format where you have to start two quarterbacks, I think that having a quarterback with a semblance of a floor actually does matter. Like if it's a one quarterback league, oh, I'm going all upside all the time. I don't care because I can just find somebody to to play one week or another. But two quarterback leagues, like it's so easy to pinpoint the teams that suck because they're the teams that don't have quarterbacks. Like the Richardson might not even play. He might not be a starter this year. Where CJ Stroud to me is the most NFL ready pocket passer. Don't have question marks about his size, weight, whatever. Like he's gonna come in and he's going to get the ball to his playmakers and be productive. So for me, that's why I value Stroud just one spot ahead of Anthony Richardson here. It's why I want to take him number two because he's gonna be a longtime starter in this in the NFL. Like I, I have no doubt in my mind that he's the best pure pocket passer, and there may be room for him to grow athletically. Like we did see it in that one game where okay, oh, he's making plays with his feet a little bit more. So if that becomes part of his game at the next level, which we haven't really seen yet, okay, then he also does have a high ceiling, but he also has a much higher floor, in my opinion, than Anthony Richardson. And I just don't think it's valued enough in Superflex formats where you have to start two quarterbacks. And it's okay if one of them just is starting 16 games and is finishing every week QB 10, QB 9, QB 8. Like, that's helpful. Versus Richardson, he could be giving you zeros because he's not doing anything. Or he totally flames out and you took him with the second pick overall in your rookie draft. And now you're left with nothing. So that's that's my long spiel about Stroud over Richardson. No, good stuff. Rich, we've kept you quiet long enough, six minutes into the show, and you yet to say a word. I know you've been in the lab grinding out the second edition of your rookie guide that comes out tomorrow. So post-combine, did anything change in your rookie model that would have you making a different pick here at the 103? Um, no, nothing particularly post-combine. Um, but I've I've gone away and I've really thought about this. And I think it's really interesting, both for us and, and Andrew saying about Richardson's the kind of upside play. And I actually think that Richardson is the floor play. Now, I've, I've had some pushback on people saying this. So the reason I think this is that Richardson as a mid to late first round pick in the NFL is probably going to sit for at least one year, if not two years. I think the... The hype and the kind of projection since the combine is that he's going to he's getting pushed up into that top ten, potentially even you know top four. Now, if that happens, he's seeing the field year one. There is no way that any team's drafting him in the top ten, and he's not seeing the field. Even if he goes to Detroit behind Jared Goff, I think that there's going to be an opportunity where he will get on the field. Now. Yes, I get the argument that the rushing production is is kind of the upside. That's the sexy bit. But actually, if you think about it, if he gets that elite draft capital, he's going to get on the field 
And he's going to be given at least two years, if not three years, as a starter in the NFL. Now, the rushing production to me means that he is going to be fantasy relevant as a starting quarterback the second he starts. Now, if take a hypothetical, for example, if week one in the NFL season, Bryce Young, Anthony Richardson, CJ Stroud, Will Levis are all starting for their NFL teams, there's only one quarterback there that I'm comfortable starting week one. And that's Anthony Richardson, because I think that he's going to have the rushing floor that means no matter what happens, he's going to be fantasy relevant. Whereas I think Bryce Young, CJ Stroud are far superior passers and pocket passers, but they, they, you know, they, they are going to need some time to embed at the NFL level and they're not going to be fantasy relevant from day one. So yes, Richardson is absolutely riskier because he doesn't have that passing um, kind of to fall back on. But I think from a fantasy perspective, for me, there is a higher floor there. I think it's it's a really interesting one. I think we're going to see a lot of debates about it and a big variance on where he's picked in rookie drafts because of it. Um, right, so moving on to the 104. Back to Russ. So you have the layup pick with Bijan Robinson. It's not terribly interesting. But around the 104, we're starting to get into these more interesting debates we've seen cj stroud and anthony richardson go off would you be taking bryce young here do you think that's a layup pick or is there someone else that's taking your fancy Um, real quick i do just want to say to build on everything rich just said just picture the end of last year with justin fields he was throwing 13 passes a game but scoring 30 fantasy points a game because of the rushing so just wanted to piggyback and just say like yes you say you get pushback but i'm here to push forward push forward <laughs> whatever the opposite of that is um but i didn't realize that you were just a mouthpiece here i thought you were also drafting with us okay that's fine i'll take i'll take pick four if you don't want it um and yeah i'm going young it, it just he's good and it makes me sad to not be able to draft jackson smith and Jigbo, which is kind of why i was hoping you were in here and i would get the five and i'd be able to go like yeah getting my guy but it's fine i'm not upset about it um, I, both, with both Stroud and Young, I do think there's a more than good chance that they will walk in and they will be starters, especially because of the teams that need quarterbacks. And besides Chicago being at the one, most of the teams up there do need quarterbacks. And there's no reason to not just put them out there because we've seen these teams don't necessarily care if they hurt their quarterbacks by not having anyone to protect them. So... I, I, I believe in Young as a player. I think he's very good. The teams he can go to need a quarterback. And short of the Texans, everyone up there has people to throw the ball to. And I I think Young probably is the second or third quarterback drafted, depending on if one of those people up there do just get enamored with Richardson's athleticism. So just fingers crossed it's not the Texans. And anywhere else, I'm, I'm thrilled that he's going to go and start. Yeah, I mean, even if he ends up on the Texans, a lot of mock drafts of Quentin Johnston landing there at their second pick. So there's always yeah. a chance that they could be he's got, improved. He's got Mechie reunited again. Uh, so, Andrew, we're back to you with the fifth pick here. Is this how you see a lot of mock drafts are probably going to play out? And does anything about this kind of change what you'd be doing here? Or are you just straight in there with a pick that you've got lined up? 
No, I mean, this is following exactly how I have these guys rank. So good job, guys. Like, we're, we're doing exactly <laughs> what I want. This is exactly what people pay for. So, yeah, I'm going to go here with Jackson Smith and Jigba. Um, I just think that I, I think that it's a teardrop between these quarterbacks and then the, the Will Levis, who I'm just much more. I mean, the, the first time I watched him, I was like, this guy looks a lot like Carson Wentz. So I, I, that kind of turned me off a little. That soured me a little bit where I was like, Okay, maybe I don't want to put him in the same echelon as these other players. Not to say he doesn't have some appeal about him, but I think it's a tier down. So I'm more than happy to dip into the skill position player here with the receiver. I mean, Smith and Jigba, look, I know last year was a wash, but we've seen this before you know, with guys in their last years, you know, either get hurt, you know, they don't need to go out there and prove themselves. He already proved himself uh, his sophomore year, and he was better than Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave like at least from a production standpoint. And I mean, <laughs> that in itself has been one of the better indicators of just success. Like, okay, if he was in an offense with guys that we know are already good in the NFL and he was good. Oh wait, then they're good in the NFL too. Like, I really don't think it's that much more complicated than that. And even when you're looking at the testing drills that he did, obviously he didn't test in the 40, but it's the three cone. It's a 20 yard shuttle where he's just dominating the short area quickness, which is what he's going to do at the NFL. Level. It's just like, he's not going to take screen passes 80 yards to the house. Instead, he's going to catch eight passes on one drive, which is going to score more fantasy points anyway than an 80 yard pass would. So give me some Jigba. Are you guys concerned about the, uh, should we say, trope that he's a slot only? Do you think that there's potential that he can play outside? Do we remember reading or listening about Justin Jefferson? You know, he was just a slot guy. Like, no, not in the least. Because especially having played with those other two guys there, yeah, he's going to get put in the slot because the other guys are older, have been there longer, and they that's how college works. I mean, it doesn't really matter how good you are. They still care about seniority. And so, no, none whatsoever. Because honestly, Cooper Cup's really good for fantasy and in the NFL. But, like, I think we need to just move on. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm a sucker for the prototypical x-body type wide receiver like i'm probably gonna have a lot of quentin johnson but give me this guy on my fantasy team all day long you know i have zero concerns about it uh right well else you here folks remember drop us a like and hit that subscribe button leave us a comment telling us which picks you like which direction you'd be going if you were on the clock rich what have you got for us? If this was a real draft, would you be happy here or would you be starting to think, oh, maybe I can just move down slightly if there's a tear break in my rankings or anything? I think if if I was on the clock here, I'd be going to have a conversation with the person who's at the 107 um, because I've got two guys left in this kind of what I'm calling my second tier, but I think consensus only has one guy left. Um, so I'd, I'd be very happy to move back one spot and pick up an, an extra asset, you know, even if it was literally a late second, I'd, I'd take that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going Jamal Gibbs here. I think any other normal year, there'd be so much hype about this guy. I think from a model perspective, he's basically a very different type of player, but an identical level prospect to Najee Harris, Kenneth Walker. Like, I really think he is a great prospect but because he's in the same draft class as B. John Robinson, he's kind of the forgotten man. I think I feel really happy about him. I think he's going to walk into the NFL as a borderline dynasty RB1 as a rookie. Um, I think he's going to be, approach that top 12 kind of category. And, you know, you're getting him in the middle part of the first round. That feels pretty happy. 
so, Russ, back to you here. Do you kind of agree with Rich, or do you feel like the tear break has now happened after Jameer Gibbs? No, I got one more guy in there as well, um, and this is my pick, right? Uh, so I'm taking Jordan Addison. Uh, he is also in this tier for me. But I do agree you have Bijan and the quarterbacks, and then you have these three guys, JSN, Gibbs, and Addison. That's another tier for me. Um, I honestly, and just to put it out there, I don't care about landing spots for either of these wide receivers. Uh, they are good enough at everything they need to do to be able to fit into pretty much any scheme. I mean, thankfully, Baltimore is redoing their offense. We can't even say as long as they don't go to Baltimore because we don't know what their offense is going to look like. So I'm really good with just about anywhere these guys land because I believe in them that that much and gives everything rich. That is absolutely 100% correct. Like if that guy lands in like Philly or Denver, which I mean, sorry, Javante, like they will absolutely replace you because of injury. Um, Like I, I just, you're right. He will walk in as a top 10 dynasty running back without stepping field on a practice field, stepping on a practice field, no less on like an NFL playing field. Like he's, he's good enough. He's young and everyone else is old <laughs> at this point. Like we we're, we're like aging out of that 2017 class at this point where it's just like, uh, Oh, okay. Well now even Saquon and Chubb are old. Okay. So there goes 2018. <laughs> oh man. Miles Sanders and David Montgomery are on their second contracts. Oh, Okay. <laughs> And next year, we're going to start calling DeAndre Swift and Jonathan Taylor old. Like, it happens so fast. So, yeah, like, Gibbs will absolutely walk in as a very top-tier dynasty running back. And he deserves it. Like, I think he's that good. Cool. So, Andrew, over to you. How are you feeling about this? We've seen two running backs go, three quarterbacks and two wide receivers. Is there anyone that surprised you with where they're gone? Are you kind of feeling quite comfortable about this? Is it still in line with your rankings? Uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty much to my rankings to a T. So you guys are just giving out all the secret sauce over at fantasy pros. <laughs> um, but in the direction I'm going to go, so I'm definitely torn a little bit here. I don't think that there's like a, I have a couple guys closely ranked here. Um, but I'm going to go with Zay flowers, uh, from Boston college wide receiver. Um, when I first watched him, he looked exactly like Antonio Brown. And then I did more research and I found out that he actually like trained with Antonio Brown and he like specifically studied Antonio Brown's tape as he was like developing into a wide receiver. Like, Oh yeah. Like you can totally tell that that's his game that he tries to model off of. And obviously Antonio Brown isn't this, you know, big size speed specimen, but the dude could just get open and he's really not that small. He actually came in, in the combine, like heavier than we expected with most of these players. It's usually their, Oh, he's light. He's light. He's light. Like what's going on? Oh, no. Zay flowers like got yoked up. And as a former gym, like a hardcore gym goer, like I could appreciate bulking season from Zay flowers. So <laughs> that's what I'm going to go with here. Give it an ideal landing spot for Zay flowers. Is there somewhere where you'd move him ahead of Jordan Addison? I think, I think probably if he ended up somewhere like in my mock, actually, I had him going to the Buffalo bills. So, like, if you ended up in that spot and Addison ended up going somewhere, like, lackluster, I mean, you know, Stephon Diggs is getting a bit older. I mean, is Gabriel Davis the truth? Maybe not. So, Zay Flowers with first-round draft capital on Buffalo, catching passes from Josh Allen, you know, for the next 10 years or so, or, or whatever, however it would be, like, that would really be good for Flowers. And, and the way that Flowers has talked about, it seems like if he's going to go in the first round, probably the end of the first round, which means he has a chance to land on a good team. 
with a good quarterback versus some of these guys are going to go a little bit earlier. Good stuff. Okay, Rich, back to you. How are you feeling about this draft? And, uh, you know, is this an area, you mentioned it before, there was a tear break. Are we kind of like staring at a real cliff edge for you in terms of the players here? And if you were going to trade out of the first round for 24 picks, what would you be looking for in this spot? I think this this is probably the point at which I'd consider moving any of these picks for a 24 first. Um I think, yes, there was a tier break. I think before that Zay Flowers pick, there's a, probably four or five guys that I've got in a level tier here. But like super flex, we, we've we've kind of let him fall. I kind of get it, but at this point, I've got to go with Will Levis. I think if I could just watch him from the waist up, I think he's the best quarterback in this draft. But his footwork is so poor and needs to basically be completely ripped up and started again. And that's where most of his inaccuracy comes from, is that he doesn't set his feet and his footwork is so inconsistent. Um, look, if if he's going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft, this is an absolute steal, this value. Because we've seen it time and time again, quarterback evaluation in dynasty is tough and we get it wrong you know josh allen was going behind josh rosen and baker mayfield and sam darnold in his rookie year and we see it time and time again i think if he's a early first round pick in the nfl draft wherever he goes he's going to be a value can't argue with that um russ coming back to you now we're getting towards the back end of round one. With this being tight end premium, do you feel like either of the tight ends, Dalton Kincaid or Michael Mayer, are creeping into this area where you'd be willing to draft them? Me, <laughs> me personally, probably not. People, yes, especially in a tight end premium and especially if you have, you know, leagues I run are 0.75 premium, so it's a little chunkier than your average. Yes, 1,000%, but I already, first of all, I, if you did not take Levis, I would have stopped the slide as well because everything you said is absolutely true. He's probably getting drafted in the top five. And yes, his he's not perfect. Let's I'll, I'll be political right here, right now. <laughs> you know, he, he's not the perfect prospect, but he will still be a starting quarterback for a team where I kind of love that we're in the fa- in the place now where like what happened to Zach Wilson can happen, where it's like, People, the teams don't feel trapped in this quarterback they drafted, even though they realize they're wrong. But you still have value insulation in that player on your dynasty team for like a good year and a half. So even if Levis looks, eh, there's probably one person in your league that's a Levis person. And you can just be like, fine, like give me equal value to what I drafted at and we'll call it a day. And you could probably get that done. Um, but like I said before, sucker for Quentin Johnston. So I'm not going to pass up on that right now. Uh he's going to be fun somewhere like i when when i get bored and i need inspiration i just look up highlights of him his touchdowns because like they're usually him jumping over three dudes reaching his long arms around them and pulling the ball away from in front of the defender and it's just ridiculous like we're in the spot like i completely agree pick seven is after pick seven is that tier where you better trade up to get your guy because you have no idea who anyone's taking right here. Like, because this is really, he, you know, Flowers went, Levis went, Quentin Johnson. Like, there's going to be someone who likes some of these quarterbacks or, 
you know, if Hyatt does get the ridiculous draft capital that fast guys usually get, he might go here. So it is a lot of fun to just a try and trade up or b exactly what Rich was talking about before. If it's like everyone wants to go and get their guy, give me a 24 first and a 23 second, and I'll make the decision next year. Like, absolutely, that's fine. And cross my fingers, it's early than the 210, the 110, you know. Are you concerned about the drops with Quinton Johnson? Obviously, more more drops than touchdown catches this year. Um, I have been catching hundreds of balls a day to stop myself from body catching was a complete, was an actual quote I read. So I'm like, he acknowledges... And he's working on it. Like, remember, what was it, two years ago or the year, the summer before, not summer, spring before um, Travis Etienne got drafted, that he got misquoted a lot. Like the quote that came out was, I'm afraid of catching the ball, but that's not actually <laughs> what he said. But like, more importantly, what he said was he's working on it. And we, f- I love how, you know, dynasty people, none of us are NFL scout, well, I'm sure there's one or two. So like 99% of us are not actual or have never been NFL scouts. And we get to, like, we say all these things like, oh, they can't do this. They can't do that. And that's cool that we get to try and say all of this stuff. But for the player themselves to be like, I body catch too much. I need to work on that. That's for someone of that competitiveness to be able to admit the fault and do nothing but work on it like themselves. Like I'm a big fan of that. So uh, I'm behind Quentin Johnston and, whether it actually does come to fruition that he gets better at it or not, his play, his body type, and his willingness to admit the fault puts me a bigger fan of him than even I was before. So I'm taking Johnson here. Yeah, it's, it's, it is really nice self-awareness to see something you don't always see. Uh, Andrew, coming back to you here, I know in your rookie rankings, you're a sizable amount ahead of consensus on fantasy pros on Jalen Hyatt. Is now too early for him, or is this kind of like where you'd be going to get your guy. Well, I was hoping that I could sneak Jalen Hyatt to my next pick yeah. <laughs> if, he, if he would fall to me. Um, so with Hyatt, I think that, you know, the disappointing 40 time, I think has maybe soured some people, even though that I think, he, I believe he said that he was dealing with some like hamstring injury that he like suffered like on the first run or whatever. So I do think that when he run, if he runs again, you know, Tennessee's pro day that he could, you know, light it up, especially if, the, the pro day time is usually a little bit more lenient in terms of time for the prospects. Um, so I'm actually not going to go with Jalen Hyatt here. I'm going to go with uh, Zach Charbonnet um, running back from UCLA. I, I think that, I mean, like we've gone really chalk, I would say in terms of the, the running back rankings with Bijan Gibbs and then Charbonnet. But I just think that Charbonnet has good size. He gets ball to the backfield. I, I don't think that he is this like, otherworldly like running back talent but in terms of like checking out the boxes like all right he's big enough he can catch passes he's explosive enough like based on the drills like he's not a slug or a plotter like maybe like a plotter plus but that's good enough for me like if he finds his way into volume based on good draft capital then he should be a productive running back fantasy maybe not a guy that's a difference maker but someone that has stretches of really great fantasy production. It's like, oh, well, Charbonnet, you know, he's averaging 20 touches per game. Like, he can handle that kind of workload. So I think that he is the clear RB3 in this class. And depending on landing spot, I wouldn't be surprised me at all if he sees, you know, earlier production, even someone like Gibbs, where Gibbs is, okay, a lot of it's going to be because of the receiving. Okay, how quickly do they get him involved in the receiving game? Where Charbonnet comes in on the lead back because I beat out, you know, XYZ on the depth chart. So I'm going to go with Charbonnet. Good stuff. Okay, Rich, last pick of round one. Anything 
kind of spicy that you've got for us here or anything stand out? Um, I didn't, I don't think it's spicy. No, but I'm, I'm going to maybe let Andrew live on in hope that Jalen Hyatt falls to him <laughs> in the next round. Cause uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go Josh Downs here. Um, I think t- there's a lot of people that seems he almost feels a bit like the forgotten man. Um, you know, there's all the hype of Addison, JSN, then you've got Hyatt's the speed guy, Quint John's the big guy, Keshan Boutte's the kind of former star that's that's dwindled, shall we say, and, and Josh Downs is just hyper-productive, great route runner, you know, from an analytical perspective, ticks a lot of boxes, elite uh, receiving yards per team pass attempt, good breakout age, elite total touchdowns per game, like ticks all these boxes that I'm looking for and is probably going to get early day two draft capital. But nobody seems to want to talk about him because he's just kind of a bit of a, you know, solid, safe, unsexy pick. And I think if I've, you know, if I've got a late first, early seconds and I'm getting him, I'm delighted every single time. Good stuff. Right, before we move on to round two, 55% of you watching this aren't subscribed. Put a smile on my face, hit that subscribe button. We have so much Dynasty Best Ball redraft content coming your way this year. Russ, back to you. Before I get your first pick of the second round, what are your kind of feelings on the first round and how it played out? I'm angry that Charbonnet did not fall to me. Um, But otherwise, I'm good. Like, this is very much what I feel the first round will look like more or less. You know, I think all of us have very similar tiers. We have all the same players in a lot of our similar tiers. So, and I completely agree. It's really funny how when this rookie class first started getting talk about, well, Debbie people have been talking for years, but like by the end of the season in like February or January, Josh Downs was talked about a lot. And I think it's not even that people have forgotten about him. They're just like, yeah, he's good end of the first it's fine you know and we're waiting to see if an nfl team goes and drafts him ahead or way later for us to like double down and say how we feel about him again like because you're right josh downs was talked about a lot for a while and then kind of forgot he existed until he said his name again but (laughs) like he does seem like that end of the first round completely safe pick and like you said you feel good about it too which is wonderful for the end of the first all right, so we ready for my... Yeah, my yeah, fire away. Um, I can now officially say... Now I love this. I love the psychology that the 112 and the 201 are so completely different because one is a first-round pick, one is a second-round pick, completely ignoring that they are one pick away from each other. But it's not the first round anymore, so I'm taking my tight end, and I'm going to take, take, take Michael Mayer, um, especially in a tight end premium league. Uh, of course, a lot of it's going to come into who's the first tight end drafted, who gets drafted to the better place, because we saw a lot of really athletic tight ends. But Michael Mayer has been coming in with the hype for a while now, so I'm willing to believe that enough NFL teams are lazy that they're just like, oh, yeah, we heard that Mayer kid's good. We're just going to take him. Uh, So if he is the first tight end drafted, if it happens in the first two rounds, I'm in, especially if he goes to a good landing spot, which – there aren't that many great tight ends in the league, so there's there's plenty of good landing spots, uh, and, and he's good. So I, I'd be happy, especially with a premium, to just grab him at the two hundred one. I also think he's going to be one of these only rookie tight ends coming in that can be on the field one hundred percent of the time. 
You know, yes. I've got no concerns, you know, whether Kincaid or or one of the, the other guys you think are going to have to come off in certain situations. He is a true white tight end, can be on the field 100% of the time, no questions asked. Good stuff. Okay, Andrew, moving on to your second pick, uh, your first second round pick even. In your rookie drafts, do you tend to have areas of a draft where you're targeting particular archetypes of players or are you just best player available at all times? It's probably a mix between the two. I think that it also depends on like what your roster needs at, at this point too. When you're going into the second round, it's like, do you need like a steady body? I mean, most of the time it's probably going to be best player available looking for the most upside because this is kind of where we're entering. Okay. Like we're just kind of taking shots uh, at the dartboard here. You know, should I, you know, this is an area where I'm not going to probably try to look to draft guys that don't have something like at least one special trait about them. Where it's like, okay, like he's kind of well round. He's like well rounded. It's like, well, why am I taking him in like the second round? Like, well, I can just wait to take a well rounded guy that you know a little bit later on. You know, maybe someone that has again, like looking for like something that's a special trait. So for me, I'm gonna go with Jalen Hyatt here, who is still available on the board. Shout out to you guys, appreciate it. Um, I I think that the the four four one is a mirage. I think that he can run faster than that, and. A lot of it's going to probably change. Like I am interested to see where he goes in the NFL draft because he's really hyped up kind of like before the combine, maybe wasn't as good because he didn't run under a four, four, even though his, his jumping drills were really good in terms of explosiveness. So we'll see you. I mean, usually teams just salivate over speed, even though time and time again, it's like you could just draft a fast guy in like the fifth round. And like, that's a way better allocation of draft capital. And I agree with that. If I was a real GM, like, Drafting Jalen Hyatt in round one would not be how I would dedicate my resources. I would instead draft um, like uh, Trey Palmer or someone like that, you know, later on because he's, you know, he's fast too. So, um, but for right now, I think Hyatt does get good draft capital, should see the field, and he can obviously deliver splash plays. Good stuff. Okay, Rich, what's your kind of ethos for players falling past ADP? Like, how often are you going to scoop projected value versus ADP, or do you just stick to your rankings all the time? Uh, that's a really tough question to answer. Um, I, I I tend to stick to my rankings for what I believe is best player available. If there's a player falling in a rookie draft, you know, there's the thought process of oh, I could grab him, scoop up some value, and then trade him. But the truth is, is that if he's falling a long way past ADP, <laughs> the other everybody else in your league is probably letting him fall for a specific reason. So you being the guy going, oh, I'm going to go and get this guy and then trade him, everybody's probably let him fall for a reason. So, yeah, I think you can kind of get yourself into a, a sticky situation if you're doing that. For me, I, I believe in my process. I believe in my rankings. So I'm generally going, just going to go best player available um, that I've got on the board. And in this pick here, who's the best player available for you? So for me, it's Devin Chain. Um, look. Second round, I'm I'm looking as much upside as possible, and his upside is higher than anybody else in this tier by a long way, as far as I'm concerned. Ath- analytically, he's elite. He ticks so many boxes in terms of you know receiving market share, yards per team rush attempt, weight adjusted speed score, all the numbers that I'm looking at. He's probably going to get early day two draft capital. Yes, there are some serious concerns about the size. I don't think he's going to be able to carry the ball between the tackles five, ten times a game. But, you know, if he can get five to ten carries and six, seven, eight targets a game, 
those 18 touches for me are going to be enough for him to be fantasy relevant and an early second round pick. I'm, I'm really happy to just go with the upside of someone like a chain who every time he touches the ball, it could, it could go to the house. Good stuff. Okay. Russ. So we're at a point in the draft here, 2.4. Is this an area of a draft you like this year or having listened to your latest trade addicts podcast, is this an area where you try to ship this pick for Calvin Ridley? Oh, all right. Well, when you put that in there, like, yeah, <laughs> you give me Calvin all day. Give me, give me Calvin. Um, but I, I love this area of the draft. Um, I have my beautiful T Higgins signed Jersey poster thing with a bunch of his cards over here. Like in a stacked uh, draft like this, you get great players in the, in the beginning of the second, like in 2020, you were getting Pittman and and Higgins at the 201, 202 almost every single draft. And it was wonderful. And you're still like exactly like everything, you know, I threw my hands in the air when A-Chain was just taken because it's like, really? Come on. Just like, let me draft. I, I get that I got Bijan and I had the easy pick once, but like, I think every single time after that, the guy I want went before me. Uh, but I'm always about, you know, it's always about the offer you get. So if we're here and like my pick's going to be Marvin Mims, uh, I think he's Jalen Hyatt. <laughs> like, I, I I like him. He's fast. He's a good catcher. And I think he has, he has the ability to be drafted in the second round and probably walk right into a team and get on the field. I'm really annoyed a because you've just stolen Marvin Mims, but B because I thought a month ago that I was going to end up with loads of shares of Marvin Mims at the <laughs> beginning of the third round because nobody was talking about him, and then he goes and has this fantastic combine, and all of a sudden he's jumped like a round in ADP, and everybody's talking about him. I'm like, oh, it's yeah. it's going to happen again. I'm I'm going to miss out on him. Okay, Andrew, I mean, we, guys, we've been talking about it. It's kind of that point in the draft where you've got to just really get the guys who you want. Is there a player who really stands out for you here? Yes, I'm going to go with another running back here with size, and that's Kendra Miller from TCU. I think that this is kind of looking at, okay, what traits does this guy have? Five foot 11, 215 pounds. Like, there's just not a lot of running backs that are left that have that type of size. Like a lot of these running backs are, I mean, well, we have guys in this class that are like sub 190 pounds. You have guys that are under five foot six. So like we have a lot of small as a, as it's been uh, depicted on social media, like Mickey Mouse sized type players. Um, so Kendra Miller, I, I know that he didn't test, but uh, the size is there for him. And that's, that's honestly enough for me in the middle of the second round. If he stumbles into a, a job somewhere gets touches. Okay. Boom. You're seeing a guy that gets value. So maybe he's not even someone I keep long-term, but Hey, he sees a couple of weeks as a starter. Cause he, the starter gets hurt. Flip him. Boom. Good stuff. Okay. Rich moving on to you next. Anyone stand out here? Yeah. So I, I'm a guy that basically never drafts tight ends in rookie drafts because I think that nine times out of 10, they take, time to appreciate in value and and return on the investment but by the middle of the second round my titan one's still on the board i'm going dalton kincaid i think that he's the best receiving tight end in the league i really hope whoever drafts him drafts him with a plan because i think that he could be a fantastic second weapon as a receiver 
for pretty much any NFL team. I worry that there is the chance that we see a Mike Zicky type situation where he needs to play out the slot 80, 90% of the time. So if there's a change in scheme, he's suddenly only a, you know, 40% snapshot guy, but I'm going to trust that whoever's drafting him is, is drafting him and spending that elite draft capital for a reason because they want to use him correctly. And yeah, at this point I've got to go with him. Okay. Good stuff. So Russ, coming back to yourself with a two seven at this point in a draft, I mean, I'm guessing you're in plenty of leagues like most of us are. Do you start to get to a point where if you've got several picks in this range, but you start to look at diversifying your portfolio a little bit and taking shots on players who you might not normally be picking just to try and not miss out on them? Okay, so it's really funny that you use those two phrases in the same in the same question because I don't play in enough leagues to consider portfolio whatsoever. Like, I mean, I'm in 20 leagues. That's more than the average for sure, but... I could be 100% on T. Higgins, and I'd be thrilled about it. Like, I don't think of it as a portfolio play. Like, I go after the players I like or believe in or whatever. But I also do, like, I call them just-in-case shares. Like, I want to have at least one share of just about every player just in case they're awesome. You know, (laughs) so kind of, but at this point in the draft, I'm probably still picking to the sticking to the guys I want and if I start hearing things, I start feeling rumblings, I'll go and try and trade for them a little later. But like right now, again, I'm super annoyed that uh, Kendra Miller went in between my last pick and this one because that was kind of my hopes for this. Um, but yeah, like now is when I was just like, I, I would definitely be like, Calvin Ridley, you got you got some Calvin Ridley for me? You got some Cal- Calvin, Calvin, Calvin Ridley? Uh, <laughs> like, here is a place that you know there are still a lot of flag-planting players on here, and I'm probably going to go with mine. Um, so you, it might be a very easy way to trade out of here. Again, like what I said before, get a 24-second and a 23-third, you know? It doesn't take much to trade out in areas like this. Um, and I get it. Keyshawn Butte just really did not test well. And he, uh, I have tested, such- he tested like booty. Come on. You just say it. <laughs> Butte makes me feel so fancy that I just, I love it. Um, it's it's Butte. Um, so like, I am like the Arizona Cardinals. I love this when I, when I realized what that, what they do. Arizona Cardinals feel like Devi players who can't give up on their takes. <laughs> they draft Rondell Moore, Eno Benjamin, um, and oh, there's like one or two others where they're guys that the Devi community was super in on and then sort of just started to fade on their last year in college, but the Cardinals don't care. They're just like, we liked this guy. Okay, he looked bad his last year, but we're still going to believe in that player. I mean, it worked a little bit for, you know, Benjamin, right? Like he, he did well, you know, of course it was like his third year and for like six games, but it worked. I, Keyshawn, Keyshawn Booty is good. I, I, his draft stock will fall. So honestly, you might not have to take him here if you don't want to, but I want to because I like the player. I think that's definitely going to be the way it is with Bue. It's like, you know, there's an upside case you can make for him, but if he falls into even day three, it's going to be very tricky. Uh, Andrew, down to your last couple of picks here. Any player leaping off the page for you? 
Yeah, just one thing on, on Boudet. I am terrified that he has a Justin Ross-esque type of fall. And, I mean, hey, who knows? Maybe it'll still work out for Justin Ross. He's on the Chiefs, after all. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good oh, for oh, Justin oh, oh. being in the league. All right, okay. On that comment, shout to Jack Brentnell who came on the show a month ago and called the fall for Boutte that he was going to be a day three, if not undrafted player a month ago. So, yeah, if that does happen, he, he deserves all the credit for seeing it before all of us. Undrafted, that would hurt my soul a bit. That, that would crush <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> all right. So with my pick here, I'm going to go back to – I'm just going to keep drafting running backs, honestly. Um, I'm going to go with Zach Evans here. I know that he came in a little bit lighter than I would have hoped after being listed. I think more around that 215 area, he came in, I think just over 200 pounds, which I didn't like to see, but you know, he and Condre Miller, they shared a backfield together at one point. So chances are one of them's good. Like, <laughs> and that's kind of making on here. Like I'm willing to miss on one guy to hit on the other. I think that's kind of a strategy here to hedge a little bit between, cause you're not going to hit all your rookie picks. I've yet to meet anybody that's hit on all the rookie picks. So it's like, Hey, some of these guys are going to bust, but if this guy busts, probably means the other guy is probably pretty good. So take two former teammates at running back. I both like, I like their profiles too. They're very efficient in terms of yards per play, which I think stands out a lot for running backs. So I'm going to go with uh, Zach Evans here. Oh, by the way, um, Keontae Ingram and Hakeem Butler were the two guys I couldn't think of before who were like <laughs> Debbie darlings for a little bit. And then all of a sudden they're like, maybe not so much, but the Cardinals didn't care. Was Andy, was Andy Isabella Debbie Darling as well? Yeah, but had- I don't think there were illusions of him being a wide receiver one at some point. Right. I think we just loved the thinking about him going to the Patriots so much that, <laughs> you know, like it seemed like he was liked a lot more than he was. Okay. Uh, this former Raven, Andy Isabella at this point in his career now. Uh, Rich, <laughs> you've got one more pick after this one. Is there anyone really standing out to you who you like in this area of the draft? Yeah, I, I had a little bit of a panic when Andrew said he was going to take running back. I thought he was going to take my guy. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go Sean Tucker here. Crazy fast. Look, at this point, I'm basically going for volume-based positions. So I'm basically drafting running backs, quarterbacks, because I think the chances of a receiver hitting and, and becoming a you know a reliable fancy option are, are slim. So yeah, g- give me Sean Tucker. Ticks a lot of boxes analytically. Really interesting athlete. Fascinated to see what he runs at his pro day. The fact that he he didn't run at the combine. So uh, yeah, he he could be a really really good tester at his pro day, and, and I think that could see him sneak up some draft boards. Okay, and Russ, on your pick of last pick of the draft, your last chance to bang the table for a player here. Is this the kind of point where you might sneak in a Hendon Hooker type pick, or is that someone that's not really on your draft board? There are four players I am panicking about, only because it's my last pick in this thing. Like, if we were going on, I'd be like, all right, all right. And Hooker is one of them for exactly what Rich just said. Like, he's a quarterback, and a second round isn't a place, a bad place to get a guy who, like, imagine it's the worst thing to do to, you know, equate to outliers, but like imagine getting hurts at the end of the second. Like, yeah, he was a second round quarterback, but it can happen. Sure. But I'm not going to do that. Um, Another one I thought about was Ty J Spears because there was that wonderful, wonderful hype around, you know, like, like senior bowl practice sort of thing. And then I'm stuck between, you know what? No, I, I am, 
I was such a big Jarek McKinnon fan, you know, and his seven year, seventh year ish breakout gives me hope. And I'm going to take Roshan Johnson and hope it takes him less than seven years to break out. And honestly, just making it because they were quarterbacks that ended up being running backs. That's really the only thing connecting them. Not like they're super similar in general, but this is 100% upside play end of the second. You're probably talking what? tens of percentages of hit rate at this point so you might as well go for the guy that has the chance of hitting big and i think that's where that's at right now good stuff andrew on to you for your last pick let's take a dive into the tight end pool here it is tight end premium after all so i'm ready to dip my toes and what better way to do that than with six foot seven 264 pound pterodactyl darnell washington from Georgia. His numbers are horrible, but if he's going to get a top 50 draft slot, I, I don't care. Like they, the tight end, what we see in college, the numbers are, it, it matters and it doesn't matter. Like we see guys put up stats. We see guys don't put up stats and it just had depends on what team they go to. It's so team dependent. And one thing that does matter though, is, is this guy athletic? Like that really helps a lot with tight ends because you see guys like, Dalton Schultz, Austin Hooper. Yes, they have these seasons where they just stumble into a lot of production because they just get a lot of volume. But the true difference makers are the guys that can make plays with the ball in their hands, have athleticism, and can break tackles. And Darnell Washington kind of checks off all the boxes when it comes to that. So if a team's going to invest highly in him, I think they'll probably try to use him more as a receiver. My fear is that he goes to a team and they're just like, you know what? You're, just, you're such a good blocker that you're going to – but I'm going to know that from the start. Like Whatever team he goes to, I'm like, you're right. Yeah, he's off my list totally. Like, there's no way they're going to use him as a receiver. Like, get out of here. Versus, oh, this team is just like airing it out with these tight ends before. Maybe with a coach that we've seen use tight ends kind of more in a mismatch type of way. So that's why I think Washington is a guy that very dependent on where he ends up going. But it's pretty obvious to see that he has a pretty high ceiling, I would say, just based on his athletic profile. I think at the end of the second round in a tight end premium, I think it's worth taking the shot on a guy like him. Okay, and over you, Rich, for your last one. We've seen four quarterbacks go, three tight ends. Either of those positions standing out, or you're going back to running back or wide receiver wells? Nah, let's let's go quarterback. I think, you know, Hendon Hooker, it, it was very telling, I thought, watching the combine, how many times Daniel Jeremiah said, Hendon Hooker's a starter in this league. And that's a guy that is obviously incredibly plugged in, having an awful lot of conversations with front offices. And I think that, yeah, he's obviously got the injury that that he's still recovering from and he's probably not going to start year one. But if if an NFL team's going to take him round two, round three, I think there's a chance that he could be, you know, the steal of this draft. Like Russ was saying about Jalen Hurts, potentially Jordan Love. You know, those are guys you might have to hold him for a little bit longer. But the potential return, you know, if he becomes a starting quarterback in the NFL he's immediately worth a first-round pick in Superflex drafts. And, you know, if I can get that at the back end of the second rounds, that's that's too good a value to pass up for me right now. Okay, brilliant. That's draft done and dusted. Russ, looking back at it now, how do you feel about your picks? Is there any particular players that are left on the board who you'd be dying to draft if you got straight onto another pick in the third round? Oh, I love – I like all the players. Like, this to me is – would be a beautiful draft to look at. Like, I think it has the perfect combination of 
chalk where it should be and the groups of players that like i said before like the players that people want you know in the players where in the places those should be also so like to me this is this is a wonderful draft i'm very happy with the players i took except if i can get a guy named tank on my team he would be my next pick uh, like i said before I didn't even get to finish my sentence because I'm like, oh, I'm going to take Roshan Johnson or, and no, I'm taking Roshan over Tank Bigsby. And especially because the next round in the fourth, I'm taking, oh man, is it Tank Dell, the the other, the wide receiver? So if I can get two guys named Tank on my team, I mean. <laughs> they, can't, they can't both be bad. It's impossible. <laughs> but like, I, of course I want to win the, you know, the, the league. Two but already cancel feel, it out. I'll feel like a winner already because yeah. I have two guys named Tank on my team. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, Andrew, any players left standing or any picks that you feel really pleased about in particular? I think that if I had to go in a certain direction, I think Tajay Spears is probably one of the guys that stands out to me. I know that he's kind of like been hype machine at the senior bowl, hype machine during the combine. And I think he just he's been someone that's kind of been a darling in the real NFL draft community at the running back position. So I think he's gonna go in the top 100 picks, which is really good draft capital for a running back, especially nowadays. So I think Tajay Spears would probably be someone I would try to gravitate towards here with my first pick in the third round. And to highlight too, like there's still a lot of good tight ends. Like I really, this tight end class is really good. And I know that rookie tight ends traditionally haven't like hit, but even look, look at last year, guys like Kate Otten, uh, the guy on the giants, whose name is uh, escaping me. Bellinger. Yeah. Bellinger. Bellinger. Like none of these guys weren't like touted as like, Oh, this guy is going to be a monster. It's like, these guys were playing legitimate snaps for real NFL offenses and were like, hey, like, I got to plug and play some guy this week. And and we weren't even looking at these guys really in any sort of way. So I think that the college game is really developing these Titans a little bit more than I think the market is maybe catching up to. So, I mean, if you can get a guy like Sam Laporta, Luke Musgrave, like there's Zach Kuntz, the most athletically gifted tight end we've ever seen test at the combine, you know, former Penn State recruit, like, there's a lot of upside that you can get in tight end premium late where you don't have to spend a pick. If you don't want to spend Michael Meyer in the second round or Kincaid or even Darnell Washington, if you want to just wait, like, Hey, I think that a lot, any of these tight ends could hit later on. There's a lot of value. I think in the later rounds, even in tight end premium. No, I completely agree with you. I think the market's definitely slow to pick up on tight ends. You look at Chikosio McConquo last year, who came on and had an incredible end of the season. Greg Dulcich, if injuries hadn't marred his season, could have been a really big player throughout. Rich, just quickly, anything from you on this? We've done a few of these mocks. Anything standing out post-combine that you weren't expecting? No, I, th I think, you know, as, as Russ said, it, it was kind of chalk to begin with. And then the guys that have got the upside that you'd expect to kind of take flyers on are, are the guys that went. So, yeah, it, it went as expected. Two guys, I guess, left on the board that I'd, I'd love. So, Rashi Rice, I think... He's probably the one wide receiver I'd feel comfortable drafting in this round. I think there's an awful lot of talent in there. I think he's going to need some molding at the next level, but this is a really small class of wide receivers. He's, you know, six one, built well. He could take a little bit of time, but he could be a star after year two, year three. And then Deuce Vaughn, like I get he's small, I get he's absolutely tiny in terms of height, but really productive. And I think that the flaw on him is good, solid third down back. And the ceiling is, you know, 
there's potential of could he sneak into a, you know, I'm not saying he's going to be Austin Eckler, but an Austin Eckler type role where he can, you know, have 150 to 200 carries, 80, 80 targets. Like that, that's within the range of possibilities for him. But I do appreciate he is tiny. So the NFL is probably not going to draft him too highly. Okay. So, Russ, really glad we managed to get you on here. It was really great to hear your thoughts. I mean, such a great person when it ear to the ground with the dynasty. You're a busy man. Anything you'd like to tell the viewers about before you get out of here? Um, DLF is awesome. Go read, listen, watch everything on DLF. Um, thank you, guys. Send the check to my house. Um, also, check out fantasycares.org. Go donate. We are also doing a uh, March roster challenge, I think we're calling it these days. Uh, with every donation, you can get a gift uh, entry into a roster challenge where score the most throughout the season and you win prizes because prizes are always fun. So check that out too. Brilliant. And Andrew, I mean, I know as well as anyone like fantasy pros, it's just nonstop at the minute. I think I've got 17 articles coming out on there this month. Anything in particular you'd like to plug going on over there? No, right. Not right now. Just getting more into more off season content, obviously free agencies coming up next week. So just going to be doing a lot of live coverage, a lot of live recaps from free agency frenzy, which is obviously going to cause a shakeup in terms of mock drafts, what NFL teams need, what direction they're going in. So we're going to see some quarterback movement. Is Aaron Rodgers going to be a jet? Like what, well, what's going on? Like, so a lot of implications, but that, it's so much fun, you know? And of course it's going to be that, you know, last year it was Chase Edmonds <laughs> broke the free agency seal. <laughs> so very interesting to see which player does it this year. And if it's a, uh, if it's a good sign or not, because obviously Chase Edmonds, uh, poor one out for the guy. Just did, did not work out in his favor there in Miami, but uh, Miami's back in the RB market again. So we'll we'll see what how the dollars they spend go into running back and if it's worth chasing or not. What a note to end on. Well, this was Fantasy Sanctuary. Leave us a like and a comment. Make sure you subscribe. We'll be back soon with lots more rookie content, dynasty, and best ball. Thanks so much for watching. <laughs> <laughs>